Take your Bible, turn with me if you would please to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 this evening. And uh, boy, that, that song just goes right, our hope is in, in the Lord. What a wonderful, wonderful song. And uh, I, uh, I am really actually preaching to the crowd that's not here tonight. So, if you know anybody who's not here, get a DVD or CD from Miss Diane and give it to them because I hate to waste all this energy in preaching to folk, preaching to the choir. You know what I'm talking about. So, tonight is not the get mad time. Tonight is the rejoice time and have a good time with the Lord. Amen. And so, I just, uh, I just, uh, I'm kind of preaching to the choir. It's kind of a, a cautionary message, if you would please. Uh, really, the folks that need it's not here. So, lest you be one that needs it in a couple of weeks, you might all listen just in case. That you're going to become one of those that's not here tonight. I didn't try to say that again. It didn't make any sense. But that's all right. First Kings chapter 18. Is the confrontation. Between the prophet of God. And the most wicked king. In Israel's history. You know Ahab is not very smart to marry a woman by the name of Jezebel. I believe I'd have tried another trip at that, you know. And so the conversation has about to come to a climax. Elijah has prayed and it has not rained for three years and six months. In the first part of the chapter... Ahab sends out Obaniah into all the country. He and Obaniah went out through all the country trying to find some grass, some water for the animals. I preached a sermon years ago in one of the seminaries out of the text and entitled it, Looking for Grass Instead of Praying for Rain. They didn't ask me to come back. I have no idea. Maybe I didn't strike water. You know what I'm talking about. So Obadiah has come face to face with Ahab. I mean with Elijah. And Elijah's told uh, Obadiah to go get Ahab because they're going to meet. They're about to have a showdown. And it begins in verse 25. And the Bible said, and Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your gods, little g-o-d-s, but put no fire under. And they took the bullet which they had given them, and they dressed it, called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal! Hear us, but there was no voice, nor any answered. And they leaped upon the altar, which was made, 
And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a God, either he is talking or he is pursuing or he's in a journey or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. Now people would get mad at Elijah today for not being understanding to the other folks' gods. And they wouldn't come back to Elijah's church because he offends them and not being tolerant in everybody else's gods. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. I don't think that is the best way to build a fire. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Amen. And amen. Dear God, do it again. Boy, how we need to see something like that transpire in America tonight. I would like to talk to you tonight about this thought. Love people. Like things. And live for God. Don't get those mixed up. 
If you get those mixed up, you're in trouble. Love people like things. Live for God. Now, don't fall in love with things. Because if you fall in love with things, it won't be long till things will be taking the place of God in your life. You say, preacher, I don't see how that goes along with the text. You know, I, I think it's very appropriate that in this country, we have a television program called The American Idol. It's in your notes. I hope I didn't slip up on you. Is it significant tonight that in the land of the free and the brave, where our government was built around the precepts of the Word of God, that in America tonight we have a television program that's called The American Idol? Could it be possible tonight that America has been totally given over to idolatry? I told you I'm talking to the folks that's not here tonight. I'm just not sure just what is an idol. Billy Graham says an idol is anything that you worship in place of the living God. With this definition of mine, I think it's safe to say that America is a land of idolatry. Now, I know, bless your heart, you don't have a, 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 a golden statue in the, side, in the corner of your house where you uh, bow down to and, and, and do your religious do-wa-ditties. I, I know that. But uh, one of the reasons tonight that... Uh, all the members of Joshua Baptist Church is not in their place is because their gods that they're serving is conflicted with the services of Joshua Baptist Church. You said you're talking about my husband. I told you I'm talking about somebody wasn't here. If there is a conflict between the house of God and worshiping God and whatever you do, more than likely your little G-O-D-S is winning the battle. If it is not completely settled, it is still a tremendous struggle within your life. And any time the contest between the living God and these false gods, uh, any time there is a battle, it seems like the false gods win the battle. Ping pong. Mumble pig. Horseshoes. Fishing. Hunting. Cowboys, cowgirls, and cow whatever it's going to be next time always wins the battle. Yeah, 
Now, don't get tight on me because I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to the other crowd that ain't here. We have become creature worshipers in America. Just a, just a little illustration that's just absolutely blow you away. A 17-year-old girl looked at Elvis Presley as not just an entertainer, not mortal, but she made an actual God, an idol out of him. She even moved to Memphis just to be near him. She's seen his movies so many times, it's unreal. She saw the movie Love Me Tender 107 times. Loving You, she saw 110 times. She didn't like King Creole. She only saw it 91 times. She has 12 scrapbooks with 40,000 pictures of Elvis. She watched Jailhouse Rock 79 times. I wonder, would she miss church to listen to Elvis do his shaking and the jiving? I told you I'm not preaching to you. Listen, loosen up. Henry Ward Beecher, a great preacher in the past, 19th century preacher, a great orator, was ill one Sunday and he asked somebody else to come in and cover the service. When the substitute preacher stepped on the platform and walked up to the platform, about half the congregation got up and started to walk out. He very wisely said, all you folks that came to worship Dr. Beecher today can be excused. All of you that came to worship the Lord can be seated. We have become creature worshipers in America. Absolutely, it has been said that you can tell a great deal about the nature by the gods that they serve. And the proof is this. In a nation that is bankrupt, and we are bankrupt, and men and women cannot afford gas to go to work, gas to do this and do that, they still take vacations, send their kids to basketball camps. And cut God's offering. You tell me if that's creature worship or not. We always have enough money for our little gods. Especially a Batman movie. We probably haven't given anything to missions in a year. But buddy, when Batman comes on, we are going to go see Batman. Come on now, I'm preaching to the other crowd. Say amen. Get with me if you would, if you would, please. Could you do that now? 
And I'm just saying, somebody is going to be awful disappointed one of these days in the sweet by and by, the judgment seat of Christ, when it's all said and done, the doctor said, it's terminal, you have no hope, you're going to go meet God, and one of these days, you can't take those gods with you. And just as a precautionary measure tonight, I think it would do good to watch this giant of a man by the name of Elijah solitarily by himself individually confront 850 false ecumenical movement prophets on the Mount of Car- Mount Carmel. 850 false prophets. 450 false prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the grove. And Elijah said, get them all. Bring them to Mount Carmel. And me and God is going to show you where the majority is. Here is a man that will not compromise. He is not seeker friendly. He is savior sensitive. And he had rather please God to have the praises of man. We need some more of those men and women in America. Boys and girls in high schools and boys and girls in elementary schools. And men and women on the workplace that will say, we're not ashamed of our God. And we're not going to bow, we're not going to bend, and we'll sure not burn because we're plugged into the right God. That's Elijah. Elijah, who says to you and I tonight, you be very careful. Don't fall in love with things. You ever notice how things change? If our things are so permanent, why do we need a warranty on them? You can't buy a wrestling jacket for a mosquito without the asking you want an extended warranty. You know what they're saying? Is your little God's going to wear out. If you don't keep it greased and oiled up real good. You're going to be disappointed. It ain't going to work. Don't have to grease my God. He's already alive. No maintenance required. And you say, well, now, preacher, something's wrong. I know. First Kings is a story about one man, Elijah. You say, preacher, I'm only one man. I cannot change the world. You can change your home. You can be king of your palace. You can be a godly leader at home, a spiritual man who can change the direction of a family and direct him in the things of God instead of trying to surround him with a bunch of trinkets and junk that's going to wear out and it's not going to last anyhow. Can I help you now, please? I want you to notice something. Three things about Elijah and I've got 15 minutes, Gordon Brother Pickett. You say, why? Because I kept you too long this morning. Three things, three reasons, Elijah. Three reasons why Elijah had these things right. Three reasons why Elijah 
Love people. Didn't love things. Love people. Like things. And live for God. No conflict there. Like things. I like things. Do you like things? Huh? You like things? I see Brother Jimmy here tonight. Brother Jimmy and I and Andrew was playing in a golf tournament several years ago. Got a big fence down the side of the golf course. It was raining. Now, on the other side of that fence is not the most friendly neighborhood in all the world. South Fort Worth. You don't know where that is? Tonight about 10 o'clock, go down there and just park. And uh, you will get an education. I want you to know, you'll never forget. So we line up on this certain tee. Brother Jimmy is hitting always, always the latest in driver. Me and Andrew, ours is made out of wood. Skin up. Old Jimmy pulls out that, that driver and it's shining like a hubcap on a brand new Cadillac. And he winds that thing up. His hands are slick and he swings at that golf ball. That club comes out of his hand. Across the fence into the local neighborhood. Is that right or right, Jimmy? Sure, he sure sure did. Asked me if I went and got the club. No. Jimmy, that is your club. You go get the club. You just threw your God across that fence, Jimmy. You go get it. Now, I like things. But I didn't like that club enough to go get it. Our problem. There's nothing wrong with liking things. I like things. I like... Suits. This one, I've had it so long. Ginger's ironed it so many times, it's shiny. I can bend over. You can comb your hair in the seat of these britches. They have been ironed so many times. I would like to have a new suit. I like things. But I don't love things. Things don't love back. Things will disappoint you. But I'm afraid in America, we got that all mixed up. We got that mixed up. We not only like things, we have fallen in, we have fallen in love with things. And in fact, we have so fallen in love with things, we have fallen out of love with God. Now we like God and love things and live for ourselves. Amen. Preacher. But not so with Elijah. He kept it straight. I wonder how he did that. First, as he prayed that prayer in verse 36 and 37 and 38. He said three things that I think that we all need to heed to. Number one. Elijah, in that prayer, he prayed. Listen. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God 
in Israel. And I am thy servant. And that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. Elijah recognized who God was. Can you, can you get a hold of that? Is God big enough to meet your insignificant needs? God don't mind giving us stuff. God wants to give us stuff and God wants to give us things. And God says he'll give us the desires of our heart. Hey, just don't fall in love with the junk. Fall in love with the God that give you the junk, but don't fall in love with the junk. But preacher, how do I know I'm uh, got an idol? What do you talk about? And when your brain is in neutral, and mine is about 95% of the time, and you're not concentrating on anything, what does your mind automatically go to? A hobby? A friend? A car? A baseball team? Whatever your mind automatically is drawn to when you are not actively involved in something, that is in high competition with God. Boy, for not speaking to you, you're shouldn't getting you sure getting quiet. The legend is said. About Abraham in the Old Testament. The legend goes that Abraham was raised in a house of a father who was a idol manufacturer and made idols. And one day while his father was on a business trip, Abraham was left in charge of the shop. And when the father returned from off the journey... All the idols in the place had been smashed and broken and thrown to the floor. Abraham's father said, son, what in the world happened? Abraham said, well, dad, that big statue over here in the corner got mad and took a hammer and busted everything in Europe. His dad said, son, don't you lie to me. You know that that thing is lifeless and can do nothing. Abraham said, what'd you say? Why are you making them? What are you serving that is lifeless? That is in high competition with a God that can make fire fall. You say, preacher, nothing yet. We just all have that nature, do we not? The devil knows if he can surround us with enough things, those things will be in high competition with God very shortly. 
I thought this was a better point than really what you're acting like. But Abraham had, I mean, Elijah had no problem recognizing who God was. The creator of the universe, the living, self-sustaining being in the universe, the unchangeable God of the universe. God is God today. He knew that God would be God tomorrow. And he knew that God would be God forever. And he realized that God is God eternally. He's the helper in the time of trouble. Can you say amen? Amen. Yes, he's my closest companion. Elijah knew him on a one-on-one situation. He could talk to him. He listened to him. He knew him, bless your heart. And then it's significant. The Bible says that Jesus is the lily of what? Not the mountains. I don't need a lily on the mountain. I need something that smells good, looks good, and testifies of God in the valley. He's the lily of the valley. And the bright and what? In other words, before daylight dawns, in the darkest part of the night, in the morning, just before dawn, when it's the darkest, what is he? Bright and morning star. Try your junk on with that. When you and your wife's about to wring one another's neck, go out there and lay hands on that cruise control automobile and say, Dear Ford, bless our relationship. Tell that woman to keep her mouth shut for a while, please, Ford. Walk through your house and look at all the fine things God has given you that you have become guilty of falling in love with. Don't love things. Like things. Love people. Live for God. That'll work every time. How did Elijah do it? Well, he recognized who God was. Secondly, this is deep. He recognized who Elijah was. You know what? Some of us, we don't realize how much we need God. Until we get sick. Or broke. Or in jail. Or in the divorce court. Or trying to raise teenagers. Then all of a sudden, we need God. (laughs) Come on now, say amen. Amen. You say, well, I got it all under control. Hey, buddy, you ain't done yet. This thing is a marathon. It's not a hundred yard dash. You don't just win it uh, uh, when the kids are 11 or when their kids are 12. Hey, you got a long time, buddy. And I'm saying tonight, you need to realize not only who God is, but you need to realize who you are. You are human. You are flesh. You don't bathe you, you stink. 
You can either bathe you and you're going to start rankling. As bad as you hate it. You are dying. One step, one day at a time. You are on your way out. Some closer than others. Right now, if you had a gun, I'd be closer than anybody in the place. Do you realize without God, you wouldn't breathe one more breath? Not one. You let God get down on you, you'll never make it to the house tonight. It'll be so unreal how small things will get the closer to God you get. And how large these things get the farther from God you get. A preacher, I'm, I'm right with God. Well, I'm glad of that. But now let me ask you something. If there's anything in my life tonight and Jesus told me to quit right now, if I had to think about it, God's in the wrong place. Now you know somebody that you need to sell the tape to, right? Don't you wish everybody was here tonight? You preach, you're going to make me mad. That's not my, that's not my object. My object tonight is to make you fall out of love with things. Like things, enjoy things. Things are to be made enjoyable. But don't love things. Things can't love back. But God can love back. Fall out of love with things. Fall in love with people. And live for God. And if you would realize who God is. And recognize who you are. You'd realize just how much you need God. Amen. I close. <laughs> Look what time did pick it. Huh. You owe me, buddy. He'd been complaining about me preaching long. I don't know how long. Listen to me now. Here's what Elijah said. Elijah said, thou art God. Then he said, I am your servant. Realize Elijah realized that he was God's servant. Lastly, he recognized the importance of God's word. Listen to this. I have done all these things at thy 
word. That's the kicker right there, buddy. Huh? I have done all these things. I prayed three years and six months ago and it shut up heaven at thy word. I have summons 850 false prophets at Mount Carmel at thy word. I've confronted Ahab, the wicked king, and his wife Jezebel at thy word. I've built this altar at thy word. I repaired your altar. I did not build me my altar. I repaired your altar at your word. Now, God, do what only you can do. How would you like to have been there? When the fire fell. <laughs> I'd have faked a shout and ran because I'd have been so scared, wouldn't you? <laughs> wouldn't it be something tonight if God did it again? And the fire of God fell and licked up the sacrifice, the wood, the altar, the dust, and the water. And the people said, Whoa! Amen. Amen. And revival came. All because there was one man, just one, in all of Israel who, like things, loved people, lived for God. Would you be that man at your house? Would you be that lady at your home? America is in bad need for that kind of folk. This book will work. Just an illustration in closing. Chicago Daily News told the story of the success of Standard Oil Company in discovering oil in the Middle East. One of the directors of Standard Oil was reading Exodus chapter number 2, where it said that Moses' mother put pitch and slime in Moses' basket. Pitch, slime, asphalt, liquidified form, oil. And the director of Standard Oil Company said, if there was oil there in Moses' day, there's oil in our day. Standard Oil sent the geologist at the record of God's word and found oil. Discovered oil in the Middle East. If you and I would dig into the riches of this book, we'd find something much more valuable than oil. It'd be solace for our souls. It'd be oil of the Holy Spirit to keep things working in a in a significant way in our families. What we need. 
I think, in America. There's a lot less creature worship. And some folks who just will like things, love people, and live for God.